I know I've talked about this before on the podcast mm-hmm. that like I really want us to do a recap of Cosmic Trigger, the book, the the biographical autobiographical book by um Robert Anton Wilson and all a big part of it is just talking about like the deeper you get into researching strange phenomena, the more strange phenomena ends up finding you. And I mean, this is kind of something I talked about with someone else recently about ticks. Like, because I'm so afraid of ticks, I see them the most. Um, mm, my sister, afraid of vomit, sees vomit everywhere. So I don't know if it's... That's definitely a type of, like, there's a, there's a psychological, like, bias there. But also... At least in Cosmic Trigger, it really presents this question of like, is this just bias? Is this me just searching for what I'm thinking about or and being like more focused on it? Or is actually like somehow me looking into this thing creating more of that thing? More yeah. of it. Not no. Am I like unintentionally speaking to something? Yeah. Anyways. Though though I'm sure there's plenty. I mean, if our if our if our, hater if you're still out there i hope so i hope you're ready to eviscerate us even more but i mean like like they would say they would probably take issue with that because they would probably think we're trying to like draw the line between like you know the double slit experiment and say that it's like our eyes looking that causes the difference but like that's not what we're saying but like maybe that's what's happening i don't know whatever we can attack our hater till the cows come home but We've got far more pressing concerns. I can't even get into it, Brett, right away. Because, like, I feel like I need to just kind of, like, offload onto you Mm -hmm. my day first. Is that okay? Of course. Let's hear it. Ugh. Like, you know when you've just been glued to your fucking computer screen for six hours? Yeah. I'm, 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 because I've been trying to finish this thing. And, you know, when people are emailing you, like, is it ready? And it's like, end of day. And then I'm like, ugh, is end of day 5 p.m.? Is it midnight? Like, I'm like, the, the day ends when the clock strikes 12. And, like, I don't even know if it's going to lead to any sort of revenue but it's just like i have to put in the the work to try and secure that bag and i also feel like i'm big time just like faking it which you know is imposter syndrome but also like how everyone does everything it's like no i know how to make the thing is it's like i've seen consummate professionals actually phone it in and realize like how people who are charging like insane rates um, are not better at what they do. They're no. just more confident yeah. in charging that amount. Yeah. And I have such imposter syndrome of just like, well, I mean, can I really charge this much? Can it like, anyway, so I'm doing this big sort of, I'm making like a proposal and it looks, it looks good, but it's big time. Just like, it looks, it looks like good. It looks better than what I'm usually thinking I'm worth. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, I've just been fucking teetering away, making this look nice. I, when you FaceTime me, I literally press save. I exported it. I sent it to someone to look at before I sent it to them. Uh I'm sure there are things to change. Um, anyways, and all the while, the last couple hours, there are like four middle school children screaming in unison I don't know what they're saying, but I think they're selling lemonade. But they're just terrorizing the suburbs of Connecticut. Yes. Every time a car goes by, you hear, Have a lemonade! <laughs> it like literally sounds... Can you hear it? Because I can hear it. Not really, I, no. I don't know what they're saying, but it's... it's, it's but they're got selling something. I mean, honestly, <laughs> yes. work. We stand early on. Literally, literally work. They know their worth. And they're not afraid to scream it from the freaking rooftops Honestly. or from 
the corner of this state road and this local road. How much is lemonade in Connecticut? I saw on Twitter this past With week. With inflation? Well, so the reason I ask, I saw on Twitter this past week a photo of guacamole that was bought in the Hamptons. And we're talking like a regular grocery store size. They made the guacamole at the grocery. It was Let me guess. Twenty nine ninety five. No. Twenty nine ninety five. Mama, for avocados. Thirty dollars. The dollars. For mashed up avocado. Those white and some people were eating onion. it up. Yeah. Thirty dollars. Literally. Oh god. So that made me think I, how much is lemonade in Connecticut? Different state. But- I have actually paid six dollars for a mango in LA. Yeah. Easy. And then someone was like, you know, you can get mangoes for like a dollar fifty. You're like, but it's not uh, this mango. Well, I don't know. I just really was like desperate. And I was like, I guess this is the going rate. Got it. I was like, this must be the going rate for mangoes, knowing what the cost of um knowing what the cost of grapes I've seen. Like I just was like, I'm not shocked anymore Mm. that this mango is six dollars. Yeah, no. I mean, this past week at the farmer's market I paid twenty dollars for a pint of strawberries. The US economy has has been basically like grabbing me by the scalp and shoving my face into my own urine and curb stomping me for good measure afterwards yes and saying now you owe me fifty dollars now you owe me 20 percent of what you make yeah it's the kid it's the kid (laughs) on the on the playground that shows up and beats you up for your lunch money truly except this economy under inflation yeah i have to say though those strawberries were really good strawberries though (laughs) Yeah. Like imagine the best strawberry you've ever had and then turn it into candy and then turn it back into a strawberry and then multiply it by a thousand. I'm not going, I don't want to make people hate me any more than they might. But the thing about me is I just don't like strawberries that much. Is it because of their association with banana? No. Because they have been kind of historically very closely linked. It doesn't help for sure. Mm -hmm. Like they definitely end up in a lot of things together, which nothing more disgusting to me than fruits combined. But you picked strawberries. I I went strawberry picking because I love picking things. Uh, I think it's fun to like you know harvest the earth um you pick strawberries you pull out your eyelashes <laughs> i ate one strawberry uh-huh. you know i'm not afraid to try a strawberry sure. like i am a banana um but i just am like the smell of it is just like a little verging on like so sweet it's rotten mm, that's fair um and then like we had literally like fucking 15 pounds of strawberries in the fridge and every time i would open the fridge it was just like a gas chamber of sweet sugary like strawberry like almost, toots yes it gets almost like chemical smelling kind of almost point. cabbagey sometimes i think it's just Anyways, ethylene then, i mean scientists weigh in i think that's just you're just smelling ethylene which is like the gas they make as they ripen it did smell like gas so i guess if they are locked in the fridge you know that is going to kind of smack you in the face when you open the door right i also ate a potato salad that had like a weird butane undertaste Ooh. What do you think that was about? Do potatoes release butane? No, that's impossible to know. And I want you to know I was doing a Cobb salad week and I bought a bunch of chicken breast. Okay. And it said use by or freeze by Uh June 12th. Okay. That was yesterday, which was June 12th. Uh And that's when I was going to cook it. And I was like, ooh, this is like on the brink. Okay. Now- Brett, you are something of a food expert. Mm-hmm. If you open that chicken, you could say. If you open that chicken and it has this mild odor of like sulfur to it, not intense, but mild and a little bit of sliminess. 
Would you like wash it and cook it or would you throw it in the garbage? Either one of those signs is garbage. Both double garbage. So I am because of my inherited trauma (laughs) of, uh, you know, the war mentality, scarcity mindset. I was like, no, it's fine. I just got to rinse it and cook it. But then I like kind of settled into reality again and was like, no, this is literally making you gag like uh-uh. like you know and chicken you do not want to fuck with no so i threw all of that chicken in the garbage and i'm really glad that i made that call yes so am i that's like the safest food choice you could have made in that moment my dad would have cooked it and if you want to hear more about my dad you can go over to our patreon where we have a full episode where i recap me visiting my dad in florida and you can hear about the egg salad that he made in the blender for me that shit scares I think me we i talked mean about that. we did i chicken especially scares me i'm like you i don't even maybe it's a hot take i don't know i don't rinse chicken at most i like use a paper towel dry it off that kind of thing but like to put a chicken or any part of that under your sink it's like you really want to take the risk of splashing your entire counter everything with like what could be salmonella no thanks not me no, i know i know and our friend emily notoriously got salmonella poisoning when she was doing that exact thing was. yeah she was cooking oh, and no. but she, it, she was like in another country where it was like respectful like to like eat the thing that they had prepared and oh, she no. noticed that they used the same knife to cut the chicken as they Raw did cooked. the vegetables oh, no oh no and emily was like emily was like i'm not uh, did you see that and i think emily's mom was like don't be rude oh no and so then but emily she's like just but i'm about to get food poisoning it. oh no and then she realizes that like no one else ate it and <laughs> she was the only one who got food poisoning mm. Well, oddly, that's kind of a nice segue into us talking about what happens when you know something and somebody else knows that you know something, but you're not allowed to say anything publicly about it, sometimes for a very, very long time. Today, we are very happy to be back talking a little more in depth, maybe, I'm not entirely sure, allegedly, allegedly more in depth about the UAP whistleblower that we talked about on our last episode, our first emergency broadcast, Mm -hmm. David Grush, who has come forward with some of the most, in my opinion, now this week especially, because the Trump indictment is happening. Trump appeared in court today as of this recording. This story with David Grush is not really getting the attention that I think that it deserves, because if these claims are true, it's some of the biggest revelations i think that we have happened on maybe in our entire species history especially from the government start two one booster mission and liftoff of the space you're listening to a special edition of radar peak a three-body podcast i'm brett i'm Allie. And today, we're taking a deep dive into the story of UFO whistleblower David Grush and his claims the United States have been recovering and covering up UAP for decades. Is this what disclosure feels like? Stay tuned. Energy unit reporting. All systems go. Cutting unit reporting. All systems go. Amplifier unit reporting. All systems go. Interference monitor unit reporting. Within acceptable range. Begin transmission. 
So, Brett, before we talk about the broadcast that you and I both watched, uh, the interview, the after interview, I want to talk about News Nation. Okay, let's settle in. So, I don't think... I mean, I don't think I had ever watched anything on News Nation. I'm not a big news watcher. I period. know for a fact I have never watched News Nation before Grush had the interview. And you and I were both like, what is News Nation? Mm-hmm. You know, we were looking into like who owns it and like which what way do they lean? What's their, yes. yeah, like how do they present the news or whatever? Can I just say, like, I'm a bit of a News Nation stan now? Yeah, kind of same. Because hear me out, you guys. News Nation is their whole slogan is news for all of America or something like that. Okay. Let me double check. Yeah, they just say fact-based, unbiased news for all America. Like news for all of America. So they're like kind of like a like a purple leaning. They're not red, they're not blue. They're like, come one, come all kind of thing. And we kind of talked about well, and let me just tell you guys, like so that you don't have to look it up. They are a subscription television network. Mm-hmm. So like CNN. Right. Right. Sort of news network. Mm-hmm. They are a network owned by the Next Star Media Group. Okay. News Nation was preceded by WGN. Oh, I remember WGN. Okay, got it. Yeah, what do you know about WGN? I just remember that they existed. And like when I was growing up, I remember like at... I forget who but it like maybe a grandparent's house or something that was like the news that they would have on like in the mornings in the summer you know like when parents were at work but you'd be at your grandparent you know like that is the kind of summer I know situation exactly that i had growing about. up and yeah. so that's like the news that they would have on and i don't remember anything about it other than like when it wasn't the news i think it was like old tv reruns like the andy griffith show and like stuff like that yeah they played a lot of sports they you know wgn america was originally established in 1978 when um, United Video Inc. began redistributing the signal of WGN-TV, which was Channel 9 in Chicago. Got it. And they just started, like, rebroadcasting that to cable and satellite subscribers throughout all of the U.S. This expanded this independent station into a lot of new vicinities, and it became a super station. They converted to a cable news channel... In 2020, actually. Oh, like really recently. Really recently. On September 1st, 2020, WGN America launched a three-hour long primetime newscast called News Nation when Nexstar Management, and I'm getting this from the Wikipedia page, commissioned research from television subscribers that determined basically a ton of people were dissatisfied with opinion-based programming on cable news channels such as CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. Just people being like, I don't want... This pandering from either side. The spin, period. Like, just tell me what's happening. Yes. So it really did come out of this attempt to fill this gap, which is more unbiased. Anyway, so it's really cool because during the broadcast that we are going to talk about, the people that work for the station, I mean, quote, there's so many things I want to say about this. Chris season, Cuomo, so. for crying out loud. I mean, like, Chris Cuomo is former now, CNN his own show. daddy is at News Nation. So that legitimizes it a, yeah. a, at least a little bit. Yeah, I also sure. really loved that, like, I was seeing all these commercials for, like, nonprofits. And I'm not saying that, like, all these other networks don't have commercials for nonprofits, but, you know, I don't know. It just gave this vibe of, like, I mean, I don't know. In my experience, I don't really ever watch fox news but i see cnn msnbc like all of all of those and it's like there's a lot of 
pharma commercials on those like a lot of for-profit exactly. things and i'm like it because it's like it felt who really else can afford those slots yeah. but big pharma and maybe as news nation gets bigger like those slots are going to become more expensive and they're going to accept like larger sure yeah maybe know, uh entities but i saw an al-anon commercial That's on there amazing. i was like never in my life have i seen an al-anon commercial yeah. have you never not once i was like this is incredible it, i don't know it's nice seeing it's nice seeing that sort of like mindset of like i don't know just like having wellness in all areas of your like i don't know it's nice seeing that be part of like the, the collective consciousness i guess that they're fostering as part of being a, a viewer of news nation where it's like somebody who is like sensitive and aware of like actual just human issues you know like that not just like you should think or vote this way or you should act or donate this way but it's just like i don't know that's it's like refreshing i guess is what i'm trying to say right totally it wasn't like it, was, it also wasn't like you know donate to like amnesty international like sure, it wasn't yeah. trying to get you to put your money anywhere it wasn't like, philanthropy Al-Anon, porn it was like is a free program yeah. like it literally their whole slogan is we need you more than we need your money yeah. and it's about you know you if you just to do like a plug for Alanon, like if you are basically the child or spouse or friend of someone who struggles with addiction it's for you like the person who is in the life of someone else who has yeah. an addiction there's something called alateen which is like for teens that like you know it's a teen centered Alanon yep. thing and it, it had it had promoted that as well in the commercial and oh, i was yeah. just like fuck yeah i know seriously it's it's like who knew who knew that news could be or receiving news rather could be this way i'm here for yeah it. I, mean, I don't know it was refreshing i'm a new fan i think that might be too early to say but i know early indication is maybe <laughs> And while we're watching the broadcast, we're going to talk about the broadcast. We're going to talk a little about like the after show of the broadcast of the interview. Mm-hmm. Sort of the commentary um, afterwards. But also in the commentary afterward, the, you know, anchor uh, was saying, he's like, this is a really proud moment for News Nation. Like no other mainstream media outlet is covering this story. And we yeah. really are. And and I just I'm excited for them. Like I want them to continue to blow up. Because also it's like. Like, you know, on on the one side of that coin, it's like, it's great, obviously, that News Nation got this exclusive interview with Grush. But then it is also kind of like sad that like there's a claim that's this big that if it's true is like earth shaking that everybody else is ignoring. But it's also like for the other networks, CNN, MSNBC, Fox, even everybody, however they're spinning it, it's almost like they're kind of obligated this week to be covering the Trump indictment. But they're covering it in ways that are like so much bigger than actual events are happening. Like today he went to court, he played not guilty press weren't allowed in the room so they got the debrief afterwards and like that's basically all that happened but like wall to wall sun up to sundown that's all that's being talked about and i'm like mind blown that this story that grush is alleging to be true is not getting the coverage that it's getting i mean honestly how many times do i need to hear someone comment on trump's legal team that doesn't exist and as i said to you trump's indictment has very little to do with what's going on actively in washington dc yeah so yes it's interesting who knows what will happen we know all of the variables here i sit in the office with my stepdad and do work all day just three feet away from him and kind of at like a volume four volume three all day long is 
some I, I don't know if it's MSNBC I think it is MSNBC it could be CNN just like the audio just playing all fucking day and all it's about is the Trump indictment and it's just like has nothing to do what's going on in the actual current administration no. or it, like, in it, Congress. I, yeah, it, like it obviously could have implications, right? Like if if somehow miraculously, which I don't believe, but like if miraculously all 37 counts, if he's found not guilty, that could have an effect on the next election. But I'm like the way that media in general, I think, is wall to wall covering their programming with the Trump indictment. It's almost like giving the situation more energy than it even deserves. It should be reported on appropriately. It's obviously historic. It's the first time a president has been federally indicted on anything. Uh, but what we're talking about is also unprecedented. It's so a, it's, it's battle just, of the precedents yes. over here. It's yeah, it is wild. And you know, it would just be nice, like a, a short break to talk about the fucking whistleblower, or even just um, to include it, even if it's just a blurb or something. But like, right, not even right. that. Like also happening in today's news, you know. And I think eventually, I mean. Do you really think that basically every large TV media outlet is actually just going to focus on the Trump indictment from today until the actual trial? Yeah. It's so crazy. It's because so disgusting. For the four years, I mean, obviously, like, I, I was one of those liberals that was, like, shocked and surprised when he won because, like, I wasn't really paying attention to the states where he was doing well, you know? So, like, I, I was one that sort of in my mind was like, oh, Democrats have this in the bag, not a big deal, blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, obviously, when he won, it was all Trump all the time. It was the Trump show for four years. So, like, I was definitely under that spell then of, like, just listening to exclusively news about him because like that's kind of all the news that there was until the pandemic started right so i, know. I don't know i'm kind of I i'm mean, glad that like i've broken out of that spell now because like the old me would have been glued to this indictment coverage around the clock and i would have missed probably all this about grush and this alleged program yeah well we're happy to be giving a different piece of the news a megaphone yeah you know because i'm sure you all are already getting all of your trump indictment news from every which way you look and also i'm just kind of over it so i'm gonna like you know follow that as big things happen but i'm kind of more very glued in to this story with grush so without any further ado i know you've been like edging it for like 20 minutes now. i've been edging it hardcore chomping at the bit over here <laughs> let's do it generously texted me the time and place to watch the full-length interview with ufo whistleblower former intelligence agent former leader of arrow david grush and sure enough i tuned in and wow what an interview. I was gagged. What do you think? Should we like recap it? Like just kind of the whole goddamn thing? I, I, mean, I feel like we should. Yeah, why not? I mean, really, when we come to meet David Grush, we kind of spoke about it in our last episode where we sort of just like introduced that this man exists, introduced that he filed a whistleblower complaint about the things that he filed them about and established his bona fides, his uh, service to the country, his military service, uh, his security clearance level. So like really got him established as 
is somebody who's not just somebody off of one side to the other far extreme like writing fanfic on the internet like the man was in the room to have knowledge of the things that he is alleging with regard to his bona fides like this man he refers to like knowing some of the highest most top secret state secrets there are period are you saying he's q Is that what you're telling me? No, not necessarily. And there is a really interesting part in the interview, not to get ahead. And I don't know, maybe we'll touch upon it. But where Ross is asking, you know, if this is true, if what you're alleging is true, then like, why hasn't it leaked? And he's essentially like, listen, I know lots of things that are true that haven't leaked. I know many, many, many government secrets and they are not going to leak. I mean, unless obviously they're in Trump's boxes. <laughs> but the thing about that, so I mean, to that point, a lot of people online, and rightfully so, make the claim, oh, like this couldn't be true because if the records of other intelligent beings that aren't human, that may not be from our planet, are able to pilot craft that sometimes crash or sometimes land and are recovered by the government, there's no way that with President Trump in office that he wouldn't have blabbed about that the first chance he got. Because think about the support that would have gotten him. If he's like, hey, guys, by the way, there's aliens and we captured them and we use their technology, the man would have been a god. But The answer to that, David Grush yeah. says, to our point from the last episode of talking about how he alleges that there is a shadow group a cabal of people who are operating with little to no oversight, he says, more often than not, the president even of the United States is not read into these programs because by the people running these programs, they view the president as, quote, a temporary employee of the United States. So funny. So fucking true. Like, we talked about it a little bit last time, but, like, that is B613, the fictional spy agency from the show Scandal. It's, like, a group of people who probably, for, like, decades or whatever, like, served in their little corner of the intelligence community, but then they sort of got, like, a black budget upgrade. So now they, like, exist still in the government, but, like, not really, because nobody is their authority figure. They don't really have to answer to anybody or, like, receive directives from anybody. They just sort of operate yeah and it's like tv doesn't i mean yes there's things that are fiction and made up on television but like spy shows you know that's all based on real shit like we heard about it in the trump indictment and if like your your measurement of truth is like fox or cnn or msnbc or any outlet that is reporting on the trump indictment then you you know as well that like some of those state secrets that are in those boxes have a lot to do with like the strategies of these like like spies and like people that are planted in certain countries and like these are all the soil for so many television shows oh, yeah. and n- fictional narratives and so just as like there is dun, in dun, scandal dun, 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 dun. are you doing 24 yeah i'm doing 24 <laughs> Uh, just just as in scandal, there's this like shadow government. This idea is not like a complete and utter fabrication of the imagination. Like this is a very real thing. Yeah, Trump has been talking about the deep state since he took the stage. I feel like and the disinformation campaigns that the Pentagon has admitted to running since the 1940s are real. So it's not really a far leap to imagine 
a cover-up surrounding the knowledge of other intelligent species that are not human. Exactly. Like, it, it they've done it before. Why wouldn't they it's do it? It's not absurd I mean, I was, to think that they would do it again. I was just watching Judy Justice last night, and she, talking to one of the people bringing a case before her, Judge Judy says, okay, you've admitted to this thing once before. It's not a far cry for me to imagine that you'd be capable to do it again and multiple times. And she ruled in favor of the other person. And I'm like, if a judge would say that, they would say that about potentially a government as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're delusional if you're looking at the Pentagon and you're going, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't. <laughs> they just wouldn't. But they wouldn't. They wouldn't lie to us. Hmm. They, w- they wouldn't keep you something to... from the president. Like, are you kidding me? But D- also, Donald Trump... not all lies are nefarious. I mean, obviously, some lies no, have to be reason. told or some, 100%. you know, levels of information have to be held because, like, not everything that's in the public interest is in the interest of the public. Do you know what I mean? So, like, that's why we always yes. talk about disclosure specifically. It's going to be a very slow drip until it's reached the point where, like, foundationally, things have been prepared so that the wall can break open. You know what I mean? We're like, exactly. It will be very slow until it's not. <laughs> Grush, Grush gets into that, right? Because he says, you know, a big reason why this hasn't been publicized is like you don't want it to be publicly known what technology you're working on and how it works because then you're basically giving your most advanced technology the research behind the most cutting edge technology the most superhuman technology there is yes to the private sector but also therefore to other countries yep. um, and you're making it available for you know your quote-unquote enemy like russia and china and north korea to develop perhaps faster than you and he also talks about how like this is exactly what happened during the development of the atomic bomb like it was super secret rightfully so um but now eventually it was you know the technology was given to the private sector and now we have like nuclear energy so it's not crazy it's not unheard of at all and also there's the discussion of how technology is sort of like advancing really i mean since the advent of any of our technology it's all progressed at this exponential rate i mean you think about like the gap between like the very first telephone and the iphone that can now make calls via a satellite network there's not that much time in between those two bookends so there's a real discussion of well if this program that grush alleges exists has been collecting crashed and recovered materials for as long as he alleges that they have been, maybe that's an answer for why our technology seems to have progressed so quickly and in some areas maybe faster than we have uses or applications for because they could be coming from reverse engineered technology that by now has filtered out into the public sphere. Interesting. It's interesting to think about that sort of trickle down of knowledge from super secret government programs into you know i mean silicon valley i'm not gonna lie selfishly i love the economic theory of trickle down techonomics i just made that up but like i like that idea because like think about how how much better all of our lives are because if you're out camping and you have an accident your phone can call for an emergency because of a satellite now i mean that's crazy to me well and here's the thing when the government say collects a uap and they need to reverse engineer that technology and and figure out what it is it's not gonna be the freaking the cia officer who was like on site who's gonna be doing that science no you know they are going to 
that's going like commission that underground out to DARPA level. A, yeah. Yes. To like a private engineering Bigelow company. airspace, perhaps. Bigelow airspace, perhaps. So the, the that's I'm just thinking about how it actually does happen. This like trickle mm-hmm. down, and and it's pretty seamless yeah. actually. Someone's got to do it. That person usually runs a company that is not owned by the government and who knows what like the you know ndas look like um how long they last i mean i've seen which i've seen apple ndas i've seen and like i'm sure these are like pale in comparison to like anything the government could give out i'm sure those ndas are so ironclad scary right like you break yeah, it no you break the nda and you wake up the next morning in guantanamo or something not totally. no not no not no well i i think it's an interesting theory you you pose that like you know the reason for oh, about tech this yeah this saltatory leap in technological advancement is a result of actually bits and pieces of non-human technology mm-hmm. making its way into the private sector. Yeah, I mean, you you bring up uh, an interesting point that I was curious to talk with you about. And for those of you listening, so part of the complaint that he brought forward, if you missed our last episode, please go back and listen to it. It's just sort of like a quick dive into who he is, what he alleges, and what he alleges the government has been doing and for how long. To that point, he alleges that there is a program that has been running for decades in the U.S. where team, where a team or teams of people sanctioned by the government will go to sites where UAP have either crashed or have landed and they do their best and in a lot of cases recover either debris or ships. His words here, he claims that they are retrieving non-human exotic in origin vehicles that have either landed or crashed. And so he brings up this term that I think is probably going to start to be used more and more now because like so far we talk about et obviously because of the movie we talk about ai because of the movie artificial intelligence and like what's happening in that space now i feel like the slang term that everybody knows for a visitor from another planet is alien but to categorize them as non-human intelligence because they are clearly intelligent if they're able to not only build but operate craft that seem to defy all laws of propulsion as we understand them they're clearly intelligent but to classify them as intelligence that is non-human that nhi label versus just alien it really brought up the idea of like when we're talking about people for example we call them migrants we call them immigrants because that's what they are to call those people alien is pejorative so i just wonder if that same discussion if confirmed their existence will start to be had i mean it's kind of a moot and sort of like small tangential you know because they have to be confirmed that they exist first but it just brought up that word of like alien as pejorative because I liked that he classified these beings as non-human intelligence. Yes, I loved that part as well. And what was really interesting about that part was that so the guy interviewing Grush is this award-winning investigative journalist and writer. He's been a reporter on 60 Minutes and Channel 9. And Ross Coulthart. He's, yes, Ross Coulthart. Ross Coulthart is like, so you're saying that these UAPs originate from aliens and David Grush is essentially like well I wouldn't call them aliens necessarily because or or even extraterrestrials maybe that's what he says um but he's like because extraterrestrial implies some being from another planet within our you know physical universe he's like there are 
reasons to believe, mathematically provable reasons to believe that these non-human intelligences, these NHIs, are not necessarily extraterrestrial, but extra-dimensional. And he even goes as far to reference like, the fourth dimension and the fifth dimension where uh, what we perceive as time is experienced as space. And I mean, I got the fucking chills, you know, because this is something that Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about. We've talked about it on the podcast before, the right? Like, what land. is the fourth dimension? Right, Flatland. What is the fourth dimension to us? Well, it's Shooter it's, and the Farmer. It's the second dimension. It's like the second dimension to us. We are to the second dimension as the fourth dimension is to us. Right. And the fifth dimension. So, right. That was another reason why he was like these, why we ought to call these beings NHIs and not extraterrestrials and obviously not aliens. Yeah, because if they are able to inhabit not only their dimension, but ours and go between the two, mama, humans can't do that. Oh my God. Or if we can, it's it's only because we learned from their tech or from them. Something about David Grush specifically, we've talked about it also, I think, briefly on Radar Peak in season one uh, with Dr. Brian Weiss in the book Many Lives, Many Masters. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. So for, yes. if, if you're unfamiliar, Dr. Brian Weiss has a fascinating story. He is a board-certified psychiatrist uh, who now operates a practice where he administers past-life regression therapies. And through these past-life regression therapies, people are able to live out unresolved traumatic moments from past lives that they lived So that they are able to, in their present waking life, sort of like move past the issues that those unresolved threads from lives past are still causing in their daily lives. Sometimes it manifests as like not being able to swallow a pill or like being afraid of needles or, you know, like whatever. So that's Brian Weiss. But Brian Weiss didn't start out practicing psychiatry as a believer in the esoteric. He was actually very by the book his entire practice until he met one person that just challenged his entire view. Similarly, that's what Grush reminds me of the man started out highly skeptical science and physics focused the man is like science 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 by the book but now he believes because in 2019 he was invited to join a group founded by congress known as the uap task force and their directive was to take notifications of sightings of unrecognizable anomalous sometimes aerial sometimes underwater phenomena and gather as much information on that as they could. We know now, after our last episode, that the UAP task force is now renamed Arrow, the all-domain anomaly resolution office that is charged basically with the same thing. What David Grush alleges is that there is a group that is operating these craft that refuses to read Arrow, the new task force, into any of these details. So they're like, "Mm, we know you're technically our authority figure, but finger heart, we're not going to tell you anything because we don't have to. Members of Arrow, former UAP task force, showed Grush enough documentation of the existence of this crash retrieval program that he finally started to believe in its existence. But for a long time, he was like, I'm being pranked or I'm being hazed by these people. He started out super skeptical, obviously very science focused, very physics focused. And now he allegedly, his own words, has seen enough that he believes the veracity of all of these claims, not just that the government has a group that's recovering craft, but also that the craft do what people allege that they do. But I wanted to say, Ali, it's so today's date. By the time you hear this, it's not going to be this exact date 
It is Tuesday, June 13th. Did you know that today, Allie, is actually the 90th anniversary of the first alleged craft recovery? No. To the day. Today makes 90 years since the first time, allegedly, a craft from a non-human intelligence was recovered. Interesting. And what was the first one? It started in 1933... June thirteenth in Magenta. Sounds about right. You know, in Magenta. Oh, right, in Magenta, in Magenta Italy. Italy. At the time, Italy was still under the influence of Mussolini, and under Mussolini's government, UAP were being documented left and right. I mean, there were memos that were being written by the military. There were memos written by Mussolini's personal secret service, and in some of them, they include sketches of the craft. I mean, they're crude because it's like you know, people are only seeing them for a couple seconds. They obviously don't have iPhones they can film with, but like. They're like, uh, it kind of looked like a bell or like the front end of this plane chopped off flying but changing its direction. Like really crazy things. And so allegedly in 1933, the Italian government recovered the craft and relocated it to a secure location, which was like a really highly protected Air Force Base. And with the help of the Vatican gag. Always. Vatican always stepping in to protect government secrets. Some real angels and demons, Dan Brown level like bullshit. Like with the help of the Vatican who told the US about the discovery, ultimately the US shows up and goes, thanks, we'll take it from here and took possession of the craft. So now the church is implicated in yet again something else. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, to my mind, I'm just thinking, like, this throws a brand new fresh log on the fire that is, like, the ancient astronaut theory community that, like, you know, all of our major world religions are actually founded not on what we identify as, like, a a god, bigger little g, but, like, they're actually formed by visitors that amassed followings who maybe were trying to sort of like steer the development of the new budding human race it like not definitively that but not not that that's what i'm thinking about totally yeah no you're right i know this is like such a trivial parallel to make but like as i think of all the people that are such um devoted non-believers and devoted skeptics and devoted to like being like no you're a fucking idiot for thinking anything is is true or possible there's <laughs> just thinking of uh, if you are a person in the world you may have heard about scandaval and scandaval I, mean, I don't even watch the show and i've heard about scandaval <laughs> exactly. so scandaval was just literally a cheating scandal on this reality show and there's tons of people that are like it was it was planted like it was planned this is all like it's a psyop they they did yeah they did it for ratings and da 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 and it's like oh my god like if you have any sense of reality you know that that was not planned like you just you watch if you watch the show you know it was not planned like i don't know how else to put it Mm -hmm. like so but there's still gonna be people who say it it was all planned. Sure, yeah. Who knows if they're trolls, who know if they really believe that, or if they're just committed to, like, a cynicism about everything. So it's just, like, I have to just accept in my heart that there are people that are always going to say, what are you fucking stupid? Right. And are just always going to represent the cynical perspective. But you're 100% right, Brett. Like, who is to say that... That didn't happen, well, you know? And also, you know, it's like... Where did we come from? Now, we have no fucking answer to that. Now that the Vatican is implicated, I'm just, it just makes me think, like, of course... Like, you know, like, I know I referenced Dan Brown, Angels and Demons, but, like, the whole point of his book, The Da Vinci Code 
is that the church was sitting on the secret that like there is a living bloodline. There are actual living descendants of Jesus Christ, right? Like that's their like story arc in that book. But I'm like even bigger than the church sitting on a secret of a potential living descendant of Jesus Christ. If you even believe that he existed, like that the church knows of the existence and has aided and assisted in the recovery of craft from non-human intelligence that I mean, for any church to like, like, you know, publicly comment on that, I feel like would sort of like either really strengthen the believers or it would either start to form cracks maybe in the foundation. Right. I know because the church is such a fucking fraught and unscientific institution that has only hurt its credibility. Well, I mean, they over burned scientists at the stake for a little while. So, I mean, yeah. So I don't know that we need any endorsement from any church. So true, um, bestie. But... <laughs> But going back to what we were talking about, how did we get here? Well, it started in 1933. Right, right. Magenta. And you might remember, I mean, Magenta, I feel like people who were sort of like already really in the UFO community probably know about Magenta. But for a lot of people, a lot of people are just finding out about this sort of like world because this whistleblower has come forward so publicly and, you know, isn't getting wall to wall press like Trump, but is getting press enough that it's being noticed because those other major outlets are talking about the fact that he's talking about what he's talking about yes it's not like it freaking you know science aliens.net slash believe me is reporting on this no like while it is not fox and it is not cnn and it is not msnbc at the moment it is news nation which is a major media outlet it is not your local news station it is a huge national news station we're not on am radio coast to coast with art bell this is the prime time baby and it's just so funny that it's like if it's it's just so funny that people think like if it's not on my biased news source then it's not happening right it's it's not not important Mm -hmm. it's not important enough and it's like don't you see that they are only reporting on what benefits their pocketbooks and their constituents and their and their freaking um shareholders their shareholders that's what i was looking for so i just i just really want to encourage everyone who's listening to encourage your friends and family who are you know sucking the teat of msnbc or fox news Mm -hmm. that like that is not all of the news that is and that is not all of the important news that is happening. In, in fact, it is literally just the most profitable news. Sponsored by Ozempic. I mean, that's it. Anyways, ugh, I could do a, a thousand rants per hour. I know you on... could. We'll put that on Patreon. <laughs> but let's because I just I want to yeah, so... I, I want to witness it. <laughs> um, you are baby. But okay, so yeah. So 1933 Grush talks about the magenta yeah. crash. Yep. Um, and then he goes on. Okay, so so go so, on. Like, walk me through this. So 1933, that's the first one. 1947 is the next one that you might have heard of. It happened in a little town in the American Southwest called Roswell, New Mexico. Roswell! And that one obviously is... Woo! 
arguably the most famous because the government had some things to say about that one. And then they had some other things to say about that one. And then much later, they had even more things to say about that one. The details of Roswell, because, I mean, he was part of Arrow at the highest levels of security clearance. The man knows what happened at Roswell. He was asked point blank, what happened at Roswell? And those details he says he can't disclose publicly, quote, right now. And I'm like, okay, King, I'll wait. Keep me on the end of this hook. But like what we do know. Baby, I will wait for you my life. My whole life to know about (laughs) Roswell. But what we do know yeah. about Roswell, officially, <laughs> something did crash in the desert in New Mexico just outside of Roswell in 1947. And the crash was initially described by the Air Force as being this object that was like a flying disc that crashed. And that when they got there, they described the actual physical material that this disc was made of as being metallic and rubbery. So I was like, ooh, metallic and rubbery? That's crazy. What a weird yes. But we ultimately know how that went maybe you don't the crazy thing is that like the story that the air force was telling ultimately changed initially the craft was called a disc but was later recategorized as a weather or a spy balloon and the air force went so far as to stage a photo op for the press displaying these really crude tin foily looking elements on the ground that they described as being debris from this quote balloon that they recovered this is old school cover-up old school cover-up because i mean in the first like 24 hours of the press cycle it was flying disc crashes in roswell new mexico like it that was the official line and then the flip, the switch up happened. And then based on the switch up, like, oh, this is a weather balloon or a spy balloon. That's the official story until 1994 when the Air Force, because of growing public discourse, because of just like general conspiracy theories, it taking over the collective consciousness, the Air Force published what they hoped would be this be all end all for the Roswell incident. But according to Grush, he says it's, quote, a total hack job. Those are his words. And he's basically like, anybody who has read this report or anybody who reads this report who has analytical skills, like any, can see that this entire report conflates a whole bunch of unrelated things together to try to make a case like if you're just reading it and you're just saying the words out loud and not thinking about it sure case closed whatever explains it all but to actually think about what's in the report he says it's clear that this is a hack job sorry when was roswell Roswell was in 1947. So this is also around the time of... The atomic bomb you know, tests. And like some of the, the biggest... Project. Uh, CIA disinformation campaigns, you know, and this is the beginning of like the complete discrediting of anyone who came forward claiming to have seen a UFO. And like, this is where we get, you know, the tinfoil hat conspiracy. Isn't it, and I really isn't it feel... where the term conspiracy theory and conspiracy theorist comes from? Wasn't that coined by the CIA to talk about people talking about theories that are so on the fringe that they're able to categorize them as conspiracy theorists to discredit them even if the theories are true also if you remember from a few of our episodes back this is around the same time also that allegedly then president dwight eisenhower met with two races of non-human intelligent beings one of them promising to give 
all the tech that we could ever imagine if we would turn off our nuclear missiles, <laughs> which America was not interested in, and the other race of non-human intelligent beings that said, oh, we don't give a fuck about the nukes. Just let us abduct people and let us take cows and use them in our scientific research. So allegedly, it's around the same time that Eisenhower was also making this pact with these intelligent beings. The term conspiracy theory, mm -hmm. as a quick aside, is itself the subject of a conspiracy theory. Oh my God. Which posits that the term was popularized by the CIA in order to discredit conspiratorial believers, particularly critics of the Warren Commission, by making them a target of ridicule. Got it. Okay. So it wasn't around UFOs. So but, not around. But actually, yeah, no. that's not like an ironclad theory, though, that like that actually came from the CIA. That's just what we all believe yes that's amazing right what a, what a genius way Honestly. to uh completely discredit any opposing theory to the official report Truly. the other thing i wanted to say what were we just talking about we um just talking about how in 1994 the air force published this massive document saying definitively like roswell wasn't aliens they're not from another planet it was a balloon and here's all our science that tells you why i just want to say like i went to roswell uh, I went to the Roswell Museum mm -hmm. and I really feel I just it, it's kind of like all of these communities of color were imprisoned for small marijuana related charges. And now mar marijuana is like a very mainstream product yes. and it's legal. Roswell, uh -huh. like you have these this community of people, at least at the museum, there's there's all these communities of people and and people who like wit eyewitnesses to the Roswell crash who were labeled as conspirators and basically just left to like explain yeah. their insanity to people. Mm -hmm. Really like hung out to dry. Completely just like yes, hung out to dry, delegitimized. Um you, it's like a it's a sad place. Yeah. Like the museum is not impressive it is not validated by any mm. like major institution by design um, but you have all of these by design and you have all these people and so it's like if we do move toward this place of like correcting history correcting the rewritten version of history and like getting honest you know those people are owed a big apology you know because there's a lot of people whose lives were basically ruined yeah, it's like what kind of reparation could the government even offer so that's roswell and you know, arguably the most famous UFO incident in America, if not the world, just because of how it was publicized and then sort of like how the Air Force got involved and then changed their story and kind of made the whole thing feel like even more suspicious, maybe than it would have been if they had just like let the story run and play out and, you know, whatever. But the encounters obviously didn't stop there. After Roswell, they continued just like they had been. Notably, in 1967 at Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana, that's hard to say, Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana, a UAP hovered over nuclear missile silos and successfully remotely deactivated 10 nuclear warheads without physically touching the ground, without physically interacting with the silo where the missile is stored underground, hovered above them and successfully Boop, 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 deactivated 10 of them. Whoa. Wait, and that seems what? wild, but something interesting to note, though, something that Grush alleges about the actual work of recovering these craft is that in and of itself, mm. the work of recovering them is potentially a dangerous job, saying that people, once the craft have been recovered and back in, you know, whatever hangar at Area 51 or wherever they keep these things is, that any time spent around the 
the object, people have been injured and have been left physically ill after being in the presence of whatever these things are. That part was really interesting, right? That like because of the what alloy, the chemical makeup, uh, not chemical, sometimes but the like molecular the, makeup, the molecular makeup, like sometimes like the the nuclear reactivity of it all physically would leave people sick after having been around them. And he alleges, right. here's the crazy thing I thought too, like it's crazy enough that the U.S. is allegedly recovering crashed or landed and then abandoned UAP but he declined obviously to say where any of these are stored because obviously like that in and of itself is a national security risk so it's like he's mm -hmm. doing diligence and like following the yeah. law as he understands it with these disclosures he has but a very good sense like a uh, boundary around like what is a national security risk yeah. and what he can disclose and that's respectable so go but on but not to gas up Bob Lazar because like you know I'm kind of I'm I'm on the fence leaning towards you know debunked on on bob lazar but yeah he does allege that in the area s4 sector 4 within area 51 that the military not only has hangars that are sort of like hidden in the sides of the mountain but hangars that are the size of the mountains and right. i thought that was interesting because that immediately came back to my mind when grush said that these ships that are being recovered are big like football yes. stadium big yes that's what he says he thinking, says some of them are the size of a fucking football better field. to hide a ship that's the size of crypto.com arena or you know whatever than inside mm -hmm. a mountain hangar i'm just like wait i don't want bob lazar to be right just because i've already decided that he's wrong you know like in my own bias but i'm like he right. talked about this though i'm totally with you i'm like bob uh, i don't know you do have a lot of there's a lot suspicious. Yeah, there's a lot to Bob Lazar's discredit, I think, right. personally. But it's like, you know, just because somebody has a lot of things to their discredit doesn't mean that they're going to be wrong 100% of the time. So it's like, I don't know. I'm not I'm not begrudging that he could be right. I don't want him to be. But I'm like, that's what it reminds me of hearing that these ships are allegedly as big as football stadiums. I'm like, oh, wait, perfect place to hide them inside a mountain in the desert of Nevada or something. Yeah. Something that also I thought was interesting because it's like, you know, we've already talked about how if craft have technology that humans don't have that we're able to reverse engineer and find applications within our own technology our own military technology things like that you know you kind of have to wonder and then come to the conclusion oh wait the united states is not the only nation on the planet that's doing this a lot of other nations have to be doing this because it's like there's no way it's only happening here and there's no way that every other nation on the planet is like oblivious to the fact that it happens like chances are it's happened in a lot of other places and in fact we know that it's happened in several places like the Virginia incident in Brazil I mean there's so so many that we could go through but according to Grush these recovered ships he calls them tangible technical craft he's like it's not swamp gas it's not something that's like an atmospheric anomaly he's like this technical craft that we've recovered we're in a competition and I'm quoting him here a competition with our adversaries to understand this it's a multi-decade cold war that's been around us for so long so then I'm thinking oh yeah wait if all of the wars that have ever happened on the planet between you know kingdoms nations 
fiefdoms, you know, whatever, whatever period of time you might find yourself in, have potentially been aided by technology that's been reverse engineered from recovered craft. I had the thought and Ross Coltart asked the question, have humans been hurt? Like, do you know of any active instances where not just the people walking up to the craft after it's been recovered and they feel a little woozy after, but like, do you know of any direct attacks on people? Grush said, I can't really get into the specifics, but I was briefed that malevolent events have happened. Yes. And that was wild. Like, who knows the context and the circumstances, but it's not shocking. Grush goes on to say that we have this idea that because a species may be more advanced than us, that they are therefore more compassionate, right? More Because they are more mm, highly evolved, yeah, right. that like they are more friendly. Um, and he's like, that's not necessarily true. Yeah, why would it be? Why would it be? Why is and it that when like, you evolve, Damn. you evolve a greater sense of empathy? It doesn't have to be the case. 100%. And like that really, I was thinking about e- that even today because it's like, right, we have this fallacy in our our mind that something that is uh you know on a fourth or fifth dimension is godlike to us but yeah. it is actually not you know it may not be human but it is not god either it is something entirely different and like if the human race is a species that is capable of developing advanced technology and you know higher forms of intelligence and consciousness but also an ego and a competitiveness and a scarcity mindset and a violent disposition then it is perfectly reasonable to assume that another highly advanced form of consciousness uh would as well we don't know the exact specifics around it but i was just like yeah it is a huge like leap to and just like like a human sort of like just it's just it's a fallacy of mankind to assume that an advanced species is godlike and therefore compassionate 100 percent. so i thought that was really interesting the other reason there is to believe that they've done malevolent things like even if we're not getting into like potential like murders is like they are very focused on probing nuclear sites But Grush doesn't really go into any details regarding whether human beings have been injured or killed by. I just have to wonder too. It's like if. If, you know, it's we're speaking about it abstractly because he says malevolent events, but we're meaning like things that are bad being done to people. So it's like if that is a, a person being killed or a person being like maimed or injured or something by one of these non-human intelligences, I just have to believe that like, you know, even if every major nation on the planet is like trying to reverse engineer recovered craft, that like these beings aren't working. It's not like you've got like non-human intelligence who've pledged their allegiance to Russia who are like popping up in the U.S. to perpetuate things that the Russians want done in America or like America done somewhere else or like the U.K. done somewhere else. Like I just have to believe that it's like for whatever purpose they have on their own because like what incentive would there be for a non-human intelligence who can pop in and out of different dimensions to collaborate with a government stuck in the third dimension? Well, it's funny and I'm glad you asked that because at this point in the interview, Ross essentially asks the same question. He says, you know, if this non-human intelligence is so advanced uh, and at least some of them are malevolent, why haven't they just destroyed us already? A good question. And Grush, in his internal document about his discoveries, refers to, he basically says there are agreements 
that risk putting our future in jeopardy. And what was it I was saying he... about Eisenhower and a, <laughs> a meeting with I know, I was two this. species making an agreement to steal and put back humans and cows? And but Grush is so he's so well spoken and so agile at answering directly, but not in like an evasive way. He's like, really good at answering on the fly and not giving away the details that he knows are classified, I feel like. He's been preparing this whistleblower complaint for over a year, so I'm sure totally. with his counsel, he's been trained he on like how to, you know, like they're probably throwing all kinds of like live wire questions at him where they're like, answer but don't break the law, you know, kind of thing where I'm sure they put him through training in that way, but like he's he's really great at speaking, I think. Yes, he doesn't give off the impression though that he's, um, you know, trying trying to dodge things just for the sake of being shysty. It's very much all like national security risk vibes mm-hmm. of like, you know, that's the kind of information that I really implore national leadership to get to the bottom of. Yep. Like, I can't say it. Yep. I will go to prison yep. if I reveal the answers to your to these particular questions. But what I'm here to do is to implore the right people in the right positions of leadership to get those answers. Yep. And they are out there. They are not far away. Like, read my document. You know what I mean? And and push push intelligence agencies to give you the answers that you deserve. And I, I also do want to get into a discussion of like, or not a, just a mention. And I feel like we do talk about this on the on the last episode a little bit, but like there. There are there's good reason for I don't blame anyone shadow government or not for wanting to evade congressional oversight. You know, there are some numpties in Congress. It's just interesting because in the after talk, they they discuss Grush's call to Congress to press you know, the intelligence community for more answers. And it really highlights the relationship between Congress and intelligence, which is one of like Congress down here, intelligence up here, when in fact, like the way our government was intended to be set up was extremely side by side. side. Mm -hmm. We answer to each other. So it's interesting to have Grush basically be empowering Congress to claim power from the Pentagon and be like, you know what? No, we don't work for you. You're not above us. But I'm like, no, but like they kind of are. Like I understand. Like Congress is not that trustworthy. They are elected by it's 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 to something that poor district. Yeah. I mean it's to something that Grush alleges already about how they view the president. It's like people who are elected to terms or judges on the Supreme Court who get lifetime appointments, they're not going to view any of these people as relevant avenues where they should be investing this ultra high top level security clearance information because they're like you might not even be here in four years in six years it in, is you know however long until the term is over so it's like i you know yeah to your point not that i agree with it but it's like i understand the logic behind not wanting congress to be in there to muck up all of what's happening 100 and it's like if yes this like thinking about the reality of like the what it means for it to be like a huge national security risk it's like yes even if Congress were briefed on it, you might say like, well, they wouldn't leak it because then, you know, that would 
that would implicate them in a federal crime. Yep. You know, we're looking at someone who essentially did that right now, a fucking sitting, well, a formerly sitting president of the United States. While you can hold them accountable, you can't unleak those secrets. Yeah. So it's like the risk is greater than the reward. The punishment will not undo the consequences. Yep. So I do understand exactly what you're saying and why this like internal shadow organization is like, no, we're not going to fucking debrief anybody They have no incentive on this. to, in their view. And I kind of get it! about what you said about Grush saying that agreements had been made. Can you give me that quote? Like, what exactly did he say again about agreements that had been made? He says that in his internal document, some of his discoveries refer to, quote, agreements that risk putting our future in jeopardy. These agreements somehow explaining why it is non-human intelligences that are so advanced haven't destroyed us. And one such agreement comes from 1971 when at the time the U.S. and the USSR are discussing potential measures of ways they can sort of like turn down the temperature. I mean, we're in the middle of the Cold War, right? Like the race is on. Everybody's terrified of nuclear everything. And this agreement sought between both parties to see how they could reduce, quote, the risk of outbreak of nuclear war between the United States and the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. And, you know, whether or not you agree any of the claims brought forward by David Grush, the document that was signed by then-President Nixon and the head of the USSR proved that both nations at the time were aware of not only the existence of UAP, but what they potentially mean to the stability of the world stage and the longevity of every human alive on the planet. Grush says, if you look at Article 3 of that treaty, because it exists, it's been released, you can read it, you can know sort of like what the thought processes were behind it in drafting it. And Grush says, if you look at Article 3 of that treaty that was signed between the U.S. and the USSR, in there it talks about identified objects near nuclear facilities or interfering with communications. And that's a treaty that's been used, from what I understand, to notify each other if there's a concerning event, which essentially is just the two nations, U.S. and USSR, in 1971 being aware that UAP exists and then saying together basically like, if we see something that scares us, don't shoot because it might not be us. So let's keep our temperatures low. Let's not be reactionary. We promise. We know we're technically at war with each other right now. But like, if we're going to do anything, we're going to be communicating with you about that. We're not just going to be like popping into existence trying to start stuff. So like, if you see something, it could be a UAP. Please don't drop a nuke. That goes for both of us. Which like, 
fucking terrifying. Yes. She, like, just kind of restating what you said. Whether or not you believe David Grush, these docu- this document shows that two superpowers were aware of UAP. Um, and Grush then goes on to say that he believes the U.S. government will do anything to keep these secrets safe. And he says, at the very least... Quote, I saw substantive evidence that white collar crime was committed, end quote, in order to like protect these secrets. Going so far as to say, based on the people I talked to, and this is quoting him here, and he means regarding people being killed over these secrets, based on the people I talked to, that was an ongoing concern, meaning that the government will do quite literally anything to keep these secrets safe. He says, unfortunately, I've heard some really un-American things that I don't want to repeat right now. He's so respectful. And he's also like, like, I'm not going to jail over this. I've done the thing that I need to do. He's not going to accuse anyone of any specific crime. Like, he's he's really smart in the way that he shares what he knows. But damn like protect him at all costs i know and we've obviously already talked about his bona fides we've established him as an expert with having not only to have the scientific understanding to be able to digest and synthesize and understand the information from any of the documents being sent around during his time in arrow but also the security clearance to be seeing stuff in the first place and we've already talked about how he's qualified we've talked about how he was appointed at the invitation to join the task force how as a patriot he served his country in the military but when pressed by ross coltart in the interview ultimately as great as his retelling is and as seemingly ironclad as his bona fides are he himself doesn't have any hard evidence he hasn't seen the craft he hasn't seen the recovered bodies that he alleges exist so in trying to get to the bottom of if he's serious or if he's telling the truth or what he believes to be the truth or if all of this is just somebody trying to capitalize on a moment and get a book deal and get a movie made after them he said quote I don't want fame or fortune. I'm just here to provide leadership on an issue I uncovered that I thought was totally fucking outrageous. And I'm just like, that's a fucking patriot. Like, I know the word patriot got sort of like repoliticized during the time of Trump, but I'm like, that's the definition of patriotism. Finding out about something that's going on within your country at a high level of government that has no oversight, that is like decidedly potentially un-American by hiding information that could benefit the national security of not only the U.S. and its allies, but to do the right thing and like at great personal cost to yourself, come forward and say, I myself, you can find me at this address via this email, via this phone number. And I, this is what I know about something that you don't and you really need to know about it. So I'm like, that does kind of, in my mind, in a way, make up for the lack of tangible evidence that either he's seen and can't talk about or can't show on TV because it's not declassified or maybe that doesn't exist in the first place. Who doesn't know? But to be sure that Grush wasn't acting too quickly and that his case was well-prepared and he wasn't showing up sounding like an uneducated fool just making up claims out of thin air, he took a total of four years to gather the information that ultimately made its way into the filed whistleblower complaint and with the help of his lawyers who for the record have officially ended their representation agreement with grush they're no longer his representation they submitted this whistleblower report to the inspector general of the intelligence community who found it both credible and 
urgent. So because of Grush's complaint, now Congress has officially said, quote, there will be a hearing. It is interesting. In the after talk, post-interview, you know, they bring on a number of guests to comment. Several Air, Air Force pilots that were witnesses to different um, notable UAP sighting. I just saw the new Top Gun. I believe those guys and girls. I believe all of them. You have the bravery to go up in a plane that's doing crazy things like that and you see something out there. I'm like, no, I believe you. (laughs) You're not crazy. You, Yes. Yeah. And it's no surprise that like, again, like this would be happening around like military sites, you know, knowing that like these probes are interested in our nuclear power and military strength. But he has a couple other people on some one person who is basically like his name was like Mick something. um, And he was there to like basically provide the other perspective. He says, you know. I don't think that Grush is lying under oath, but I do think that he is mistaken. And he talks about how his inspector general representation severed ties. Um, And then Ross responds and Ross is basically like, well, I actually know that that didn't happen. Like the ending of that, you know, legal representation was not the result of like some newfound information. Right. It's not like they learned that the guy they're representing for murder actually murdered the person and they're like we can't represent you anymore it's not like that but more that they had already fulfilled their job Yeah, like the contract was over they were they were hired to help him gather his information compile it and submit his whistleblower complaint which they did it's successfully un- it's yes it's unclear like where this is gonna go sure. obviously from here but ross did allude to like <laughs> some ross was so funny in the after talk like he had so much to say it was so sweet uh he's obviously a believer clearly yeah but he alluded to some information that's supposed to come out in the next few days referencing the legal relationship yes. and clarifying that um between the inspector general and Grush. because yeah, it does seem like a lot like... of media outlets have sort of taken their parting of ways and they have sort of like just run with the narrative even though it's not the case and they've said as much because they've released a statement saying information about our working arrangement has been mischaracterized in the press basically but i feel like that's the sort of easy way to run it because it's like what do we expect of big major news they're not going to just pick up it would take a ufo landing in front of the fucking washington monument before cnn actually talked about the possibility i think soberly of non-human intelligence so it's like they're not going to be even like off the cuff i feel like adding further validity or verification to the things that he's saying by talking about them on their own channels so i feel like by them running with the easy narrative of like oh he's a whistleblower he doesn't actually have evidence now his lawyers have left him it's like that's the easy narrative where they don't have to actually take any ownership in covering the story i think right yes agreed yeah any small seed that they can run with to like claim that this claim is invalid like it seems like some people are but this case is this whistleblower case is going to take months to conclude grush says he's planning on starting a scientific foundation he said he's willing to speak with anyone in washington who has the clearance and the desire to hear the classified information that he cannot share with news nation he He says that while he doesn't have the smoking gun, the documents or the photos, he does 
have a ton of testimony by credentialed people who came to him providing him with sensitive foreign intelligence, program documents, photographs uh, to evaluate, and then also descriptions of how this program functions in insane levels of detail, he said. Like, specific details that then all checked out. So, there's more to be revealed. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in. It's giving. You know, we're not in season two yet of Radar Peak talking about the second book of the three body problem. But it's like in the meantime, it just feels like the universe is just like raining content down on us. We're like, well, we have to talk about this. I know. No, it's giving 2027 disclosure. It's giving three body problem. Like all... We used to talk about how, like, fact or fiction, you know, like, hard to distinguish, like, where where fiction ends and where, you know, true history begins when, when we were reading The Three-Body Problem. And, like, this is just renewing that sort of confusion, amazement, conspiracy. Yeah. And I will say to that point, especially in times of, I mean, in the days after Roswell and the days after any major sort of, like, UAP event that has gotten press through history, the Battle of Los Angeles, you know, whatever it is, in the days after in the weeks after in the months after the space of people talking about that event talking about official verified real true things concerning that event becomes so muddled with people just trying to advance further theories their own you know this or that or you know whatever so we are going to obviously still be talking about this but we're going to do our best to weed out the nonsense and bring you just what is actually being addressed not any sort of the tangential and if it is tangential it's going to fall in big if true and we'll talk about it that way but i will say the only thing that i have seen that i'm like this is nuts but it would be mega if true like even bigger than like the u.s has been operating a crash recovery program for craft from non-human intelligence for decades would be the realization that potentially john f kennedy was assassinated to keep this secret a secret no and it goes like this the way i understand it it goes like this nine days before president john f kennedy was assassinated on his trip in texas he sent a memorandum to the cia demanding the release to him of any document relating to ufos and their potential impact to national security the document is unredacted unclassified and it is released for your viewing and if you want to see it we're going to post it over on twitter so go check it out read it take your own takeaway from it but i will say this could very easily be a conspiracy theory that's dropping into this space to you know sort of like muddy the water make a quick couple of like clickbait likes off of a post during a time where a thing is happening but they were talking about it on fox news today so i'm just i'm just saying if you've got people on all sides talking about it i have to wonder how unlikely it could be really that is suspicious you know i mean mean, imagine the year is 1942 okay and someone tells you why is everything in black and white (laughs) and someone tells you that oh the government is you know secretly commissioning a project that is going to develop a bomb that can wipe out an entire city in an instant 
And you're going to be like, how? That's impossible. What are you talking about? And splitting an atom, like da-da-da-da-da. And it's all just going to seem like absolute malarkey until it's already been used to the benefit of the United States and the technology becomes completely public Mm -hmm. in an act of war. And now everyone's developing nuclear technology. You know, like I actually think it's going to go pretty similarly. This technology will not come into mainstream availability, the private sector, you know, uh, public consciousness until it has been weaponized against our greatest enemies. foe. Yep. Exactly. At any given point. So I understand why this is top fucking secret. It is our what's the word where it's like it, it's our trump card. You know what I mean? In the same way that the atomic bomb was. It's like it, it will it will end any all, escalation. End all answer. And the U.S. needs that more than ever. We all we hear about is like the United States is falling in its stronghold as, you know, the greatest power in the world. And we're being put in like more and more precarious positions and shaky alliances. And there are alliances, you know, there are alliances being formed between our adversaries. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense why governments want to keep, you know, this lock and key close to their chest, this technology. Why this why this secret is of the utmost importance to keep secret and like why they would potentially assassinate uh leaky faucets i'm i'm praying for grush i I think they're not too worried about grush himself because he does seem to have a handle on like the fact that this is classified he also i feel like he would be beheaded yeah like he presented (laughs) himself in a way and like it was even part of the interview where like he on the record is like i don't have any history of mental illness i'm of sound mind like i'm not motivated by anything other than my duty to this country like he really has set himself up to be viewed as what i view him in in my opinion is a patriot i'm like he really has set him himself up to appear as the good guy and it's like i always worry about the good guy <laughs> and yeah and i don't yeah i don't think grush is like saying like the general public should know i mean he was kind of saying at one point that like this technology should be used for the betterment of all people oh, sure. um but i also feel like he understands that like i i feel like he, what he's really trying to say is it shouldn't be a secret that these programs are in development. Right. He's not saying that this technology should be available now to the public. I think he understands the the security risk there, um, not just to himself, obviously, yeah. but to the country. So maybe what will happen is like, yes, Congress will get some answers. They'll they'll. There will be confirmation. Yes. Okay. You've held the Pentagon's feet to the fire. Grush has blown this whistle. And now we are forced into the corner. We have to acknowledge that indeed we do have a retrieval program. And that will be enough, you know, to just acknowledge that it exists. There will not be, there will not be like a declassification of the actual reverse engineering. No, they're not reading in presidents. They're not going to read in Congress. But yeah, I understand the Pentagon basically being like, we don't want to tell you about the manhattan project (laughs) you know i just think it's Uh, wild because it's like you know everybody obviously expects there to be some level of like you know accountability within the government some some level of like not necessarily like authority that one branch is going to answer to but at least another body that's going to be able to act as sort of like a counterweighted balance against any decision that this you know group a makes but i think the real big point and takeaway from this interview with david grush and ross coltart on news nation is that 
Arrow, which is, you know, the new modern day retooling of the original UAP task force, formerly, formerly, formerly Project Blue Book, under the leadership of director Sean Kirkpatrick, Arrow lacks Title 50 authorities and the necessary clearances to even attempt to investigate Grush's allegations. So he's alleged something that the body can't actually even do anything about because they were refused to be read into the program. So, you know, on the one hand, while I remain very cautiously optimistic that we could get, you know, information and that this isn't just going to be some sort of like flash in the pan news cycle from during the COVID times, but like, it's like on the other hand, I have to really manage that expectation and say, well, how much do I really think is going to be uncovered by somebody who only has the clearance to read the first page of the book. If you don't know how it ends, what right. conclusions can you draw, really? Yeah, no. And in the after talk, they said exactly what we said on our, you know, last last week's broadcast. It felt really validating. I have to admit that. It really did. Because we had that take first that, like, they were, they were dissecting Arrow's statement and the Pentagon statement. And they basically said exactly what we said, which was, first of all, not no. They weren't negating its existence of this body. And they also wouldn't know about yeah. it. They're so, like, we can't tell you that it doesn't exist because we don't officially know about it to begin with. How could we? Yeah. So News Nation, we got to at them on Twitter and just be like, we see yep. you. Valuable journalism. Because you can literally throw a stone at any channel on the guide and you'll get news about Trump. You're not going to be lacking for news there. But, you know, hopefully we can provide at least little tidbits that you might miss here and there. Because there's and a lot of news coming out about Grush, even though it's kind of coming from, you know, only one sort of like information stream. I also feel like and this is what I was feeling also when I was watching the interview, like Grush and News Nation and this interview is really speaking to like a really modern level of intelligence. Yeah. You know, I feel like you're more like your Fox and your um and your MSNBC, like there's a little bit of talking down to the viewer, right? Like if you have someone on and they start talking about quantum physics, like and and other dimensions, it's going to be framed as like, ah, well, isn't that funny? Right. You know, thanks for coming on. And it's like very much this like, it's, have you seen Don't Look Up? It's literally the scene where they're talking about the asteroid coming to yes. smack the planet and they're laughing it off and going on to the next segment and, you know, da da da, whatever. Yes. And you can totally see that. And, and so yet, meanwhile, like millions of people in America and all over the world, like, listen to podcasts, you know, like our own, where this is commonly discussed. Like, this isn't the information that is completely reserved to, like, nuclear physicists yeah. now. You know, like, the average uh, American has this information at their disposal. It's on TikTok. It's everywhere. Like, you can learn, you know, a lot more than I feel like a lot of mainstream media pundits are like giving their viewer credit 100%. for and just to see to see grush like reference quantum mechanics uh and quantum physics on this major news platform and and just to see it be like given a platform in in a mainstream cable news network was cool yeah. i was just like yeah that's refreshing because you don't yeah you just don't see that uh in those spaces no. and i think i think we're ready for that as a population at the very least to just like speak about quantum physics in a more commonplace setting yeah. and and not be like that's a bunch of yeah because i think 
yeah, that's going totally over my head. Yeah, because like for so long, I feel like the discourse in general has just been purely politically focused in America. Anyway, it's it's just where does this issue fall on the scale of whether or not I'm a Republican or a, or a Democrat, and I'm just going to talk about it in political terms that way. But it's like I think in general and kind of like on mass, people like obviously at a baseline, whether or not they like know it consciously enough to say it out loud, they want more than that. I think so. I think also that's part of why this story rang like such a bell in like a silent room you know because it's like it's you know kind of the one thing that isn't a rehash of some version of some story that we've heard the entirety of our adult lives it's in no way related to politics other than like the inherent politics of i'm gonna do something in secret and not tell you about it even if you find out that i'm doing something that's a secret where i'm like that's just like humanity drama where i'm like it's something so familiar and so new and also like awe-striking and terrifying at the same time it's almost like i don't yes i don't i'm aware the possibility could be a bad one you know if all fully confirmed and validated and verified but like i can't look away from it at the same time i'm like captivated by it same no you're spot on familiar yet new like we know that this is possible we've been hearing about it talking about it for years and yet i've never really seen it discussed on a major news platform no. so it, without being derisive yeah. so it's great well brett it feels like we're up to date on literally now everything that's happened that the public knows about until tomorrow until tomorrow but trust as updates happen we i think our plan here i mean we're taking a break from radar peak until season two where we officially will start making our way through the Dark Forest, book two in Sishin Liu's Hugo Award-winning sci-fi series, The Three-Body Problem. But over the summer, we are still publishing subscriber-exclusive episodes and things over on our Patreon. And you can join us, patreon.com slash radarpeak. We'll be here from time to time, you know, as, as things happen, as more whistles get blown, as more disclosures get filed. But in the meantime, if you really don't want to miss us, come join us on Patreon. You can join us for as little as a cup of coffee. Cheaper, actually. The National Cup of Coffee. Yeah, these days. National Cup of Coffee price is $3.99. And you can join our Patreon for just $3 a month. Or if you have a Roth IRA you're trying to blow early, you can join us for $20 a month and be one of our Trisolarian overlords. We would love to see you there. Yeah, and if there's anything that all of this existential sort of extraterrestrial discussion makes me feel it's like really how small we are oh, yeah. and then how small our economy is and it's like what are you saving all that money for anyway how small our entire third dimension is yeah stop saving for whatever fucking house that you're not gonna buy and head on over to patreon.com slash radar peak and Put in your little stupid credit card number. Give us that and down payment. Give us that down payment or just a little tiny piece of it. I mean, you know, I'm not going to tell you you're investing in your future, but you're definitely investing in your happiness and our future. And our future. We are reinvesting your dollar back into bringing you this podcast. We're so excited. We've got some really cool stuff on the way. I don't want to say what yet, but we are really excited to uh, launch some 
cool things, some merch. So that's all underway thanks to our supporters. Yeah, it's a it's a big, bright gateway that's in front of us, and I can't wait to experience it with you, Allie. And with that, I'm done plugging the Patreon. And with that, I'm done saying words. So thank you for joining us for another special edition of Radar Peak. Don't get used to it, but maybe do. Depends on David Grush and the intelligence community. But in the meantime, I'm Brett. I'm Allie. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to a special edition of Radar Peak, a three-body podcast. Subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And join us all summer long on patreon.com slash radarpeak. Stay tuned for the official launch of season two later this fall and join in on the conversation when you follow us on social media at Radar Peak Pod. See you there. <laughs>